No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we begin the book of Judges. Judges is a sad testimony of what happens when people turn away from the Lord to do whatever is right in their own eyes. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl begins in Judges chapter 1 on Simply the Bible. It is possible to start well. It is even possible to run well. And yet, it is also possible to be tripped up along the way so that we don't finish well. As we come to the book of Judges, it doesn't miss a beat from Joshua. The people have renewed their covenant with the Lord, and they are ready to finish taking the land. But although they got off to a great start, the nation of Israel didn't finish well. Their failure to drive out the Canaanite nations would be their downfall. And the book of Judges is a tragic testimony of the repeated failures that occur when people forsake the Lord and do whatever is right in their own eyes. Judges has much to say to us today. We pick it up in Judges chapter 1. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. The children of Israel had just renewed their covenant with the Lord at Shechem. This was the last recorded event of Joshua's life before he died. The people had a fresh resolve to serve the Lord only and to get rid of the foreign gods. This also meant that they had a renewed commitment to driving out the nations of Canaan that were still among them. Therefore, the children of Israel asked the Lord, who shall go up first? They probably consulted with the Urim and the Thummim in the breastplate of the high priest, since this was the usual way to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord spoke, saying, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Perhaps the Lord sent Judah first because he would become the kingly tribe, and he had the wholehearted warrior spirit that would bring initial victories to Israel. And that would only encourage the other tribes. Now, whenever they inquired of the Lord, they did well. The Lord answered them, and they had the confidence that God was going before them. And how encouraging it must have been for them to know that God had already delivered the enemy into their hand. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me to my allotted territory, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. Judah and Simeon were full brothers by Leah. Moreover, Simeon's territory was within Judah's. So they were naturals to conquer the land together. In essence, they said, you fight my battles, I'll fight yours. 
The Lord delivered both the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands so that they killed 10,000 men at the city of Bezek. They were off to a great start. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek and fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Then Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table as I have done, so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Adonai means Lord. So Adonai Bezek was the Lord of Bezek, or, or the king. Now it is interesting that when they caught him, they cut off his thumbs and big toes. There is no record of the children of Israel doing this with any other king that they defeated. So did they know that this was how he treated others? Or was it that unbeknownst to them, God just led them to do it? Immediately, Adonai Bezek saw this as divine retribution, for it had been his practice to cut off the thumbs and toes of 70 kings that he had defeated, no doubt to humiliate them. So now God was repaying him as he had done. You know, there is that spiritual law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. What goes around comes around. Verse 8, Now the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem and took it. They struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains in the south and in the lowland. Then Judah went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba. And they killed Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. Jerusalem was a fortified city on top of a hill, but the children of Judah took it and set it on fire. However, we will see that they did not completely drive out the Jebusites from it. As Judah continued their campaign into the south, they fought Canaanites in the mountains and in the valleys. They came to Kirjath Arba, which was in the mountains, and they took it, changing the name to Hebron. We know actually that Caleb was the one to lead this campaign. They killed the three sons of the giant Anak, Shishai, Ahiman, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there they went against the inhabitants of Deber. Deber was formerly Kirjath Sefer. Then Caleb said, Whoever attacks Kirjath Sefer and takes it, to him I will give my daughter Aksa as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it, so he gave his daughter Aksa as wife. Now it happened when she came to him that she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? So she said to him, Give me a blessing since you have given me the land in the south. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now Caleb was 85 years old, but he boasted that he was as strong as when he was 40. He conquered Hebron, 
But when he came to Kirjath Sefer, he offered his daughter in marriage to the one who could take the city. My hunch is that he knew that his nephew Othniel was sweet on his daughter and that Othniel was a strong warrior. So this was a way that Othniel could prove himself worthy. No doubt Othniel fought very hard, not only for the city, but also to marry Aksa. Now, Aksa didn't seem to object to this arrangement one bit. And with womanly intuition and initiative, she urged Othniel to ask her father for a field. She wanted to seize the opportunity. But for whatever reason, it was she who was the one to ask her father for the field, and not only for the field, but also for the springs of water that went with it. What loving father could resist such a request from his dutiful daughter? Caleb not only gave her the upper springs, but also the lower springs. We see here that God blesses the faith and the fervent requests of his children. I'm convinced that so often we don't have because we don't ask. Now, the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up from the city of Palms with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south near Arad, and they went and dwelt among the people. The Kenites were the descendants of Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. They also inhabited the southern region known as the Negev that was occupied by Judah. They were not one of the seven nations that God told Israel to utterly destroy. They were related by marriage, and so Judah allowed them to dwell among them. And Judah went with his brother Simeon, and they attacked the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath and utterly destroyed it. So the name of the city was called Hormah. Here was another city in a long list of conquests. They often changed the Canaanite names of the cities and gave them new names. Horma means devotion, perhaps indicating their desire to devote the city to the Lord since he had given it to them. Also, Judah took Gaza with its territory, Ashkelon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. These were cities of the Philistines along the Mediterranean coast. So the Lord was with Judah and they drove out the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. The chariots of iron were like the tanks in those days. Now in this great military campaign of Judah and Simeon, this was the first and only failure mentioned. And they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had said. Then he expelled from there the three sons of Anak, also known as the Anakim, the giants. But the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. Now, initially Jerusalem was taken by Judah, but it was in the territory of Benjamin so the Benjamites would dwell in the city, but they didn't completely drive out the Jebusites. And the Jebusites would remain in Jerusalem until the time of David. Now, this was a great record of conquest, no doubt. It reads so much like the book of Joshua, as God had given their enemy into their hands and they conquered the land of their inheritance. 
if only the other tribes had followed this example and had completely driven out the nations that God told them to destroy. How different the book of Judges would have read. The problem was that they didn't do that. And the problem with so many is that they begin well, but they don't finish well. Jesus said, those who endure to the end shall be saved. He indicated that salvation is not easy. The easy road leads to destruction. Therefore, we must strive to enter the narrow gate. And having been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, we must strive to take the land that God has given us. We are in a battle. Our threefold enemy is Satan, the world, and the flesh. We cannot be passive about these things and take the land of our inheritance. We will not be conquerors without discipline, training, hard work, and fighting the good fight. Now, am I teaching is salvation by works? No. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. But it is the grace of God that works powerfully through us as we give ourselves to taking the land of promise. We will face giants. We will face iron chariots. But we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. If we've started well, then by his grace and our obedience, let us finish well. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we will see where Israel fails to drive out the Canaanites so the Lord won't drive out the enemy for them. It's a total setup for failure. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Judges on Simply the Bible.